Well, words can't really describe how excited I am about this podcast. If you've been listening to Meathead Hippie, I'm Emily Schramm, your host. At the end of every podcast, I, I ask my guests, what is your spirit animal? And, you know, I have this book on my phone by Stephen Farmer, and it's just the funnest book. And it kind of opened my world into shamanism, which we talk about today, <laughs> because I got Stephen Farmer on my podcast. I just have no words. <laughs> my life is amazing. I just had the best conversation. I cried. I felt. Uh, I related in ways that I don't even think this, that Stephen will understand. Um, it's just a beautiful podcast, and I can't wait to share it with you. You guys are so going to love him. And he has four books. Check him out. He's just he's just ridiculous. He's so great. So enjoy this. Go support him. Go find a book on Amazon that speaks to you. Um, the animal spirit animal book you can even get on your iPhone through iBooks. Just super cool stuff. Uh, as far as updates, before I let you guys get into this super hippie episode of Meathead Hippie, a little bit of a meathead side. I am doing a buy one, get one half off for all my strength programs for the rest of March. If you're looking for some six-week strength programs, I'm doing a BOGO because I actually like to mix my build program, which is my strength program, with the conditioning that's in the burn. And so I wanted to kind of do a little BOGO sale for you guys. If you have questions on programming and if you want to know if it's right for you, just email us. We're, we're on top of it. Support at emilyshram.com. And then the other announcement, which I, you guys already knew if you're listening, all my listeners got the sneak peek, but I announced officially to the gram and to the book, to the Instas and the Facebooks that I'm opening a gym here in Denver, Colorado in the Rhino Art District. Tentative date, save the calendar, May 12th. And that's really all I got for you because... Words just can't even explain it. If you miss my post, go check it out so you can learn about all the gym, what it's going to be like, um, my vision for it. So much more than just a gym, let me tell you that. And I can't wait to meet you guys when you come visit or when you come work out and you drop in. It's going to be so wonderful. Okay, back to the hippie. Enjoy this podcast. I can't wait to hear what you think. <laughs> I'm Emily Schramm, the ultimate meathead hippie. Welcome to the show. Oh, I'm just so excited. Stephen Farmer, Dr. Stephen Farmer, who I have mentioned, just so you know, I don't know if you know this, but in every single podcast of Meathead Hippie, the final question is, what animal, what spirit animal are you? And everyone's like, well, I guess it's, some people are like, oh, I know. And some people don't. And your book is the book I go to. I love your book. And I just am so tickled that you're here and we're going to talk and welcome to Meathead Hippie. Well, thank you, Emily. I'm glad to be here. <laughs> It'll be so fun. Uh, where are you based at? Let's start there. I do. I want to know everything about your life. Uh oh. <laughs> everything. Uh oh. Yeah, I just turn the recording off then. No, 
I, I'm based in uh, Dana Point, California, which uh, most people know Laguna Beach, which is Dana Point's right next door. I uh, lived in Laguna for many, many years. And then uh, uh, my wife and I bought a house here in Dana Point. We moved here about five years ago. Um, love the area. Uh, we've got a kind of a suburban, semi-suburban neighborhood, which is, as a friend said, this is not where I picture you living. <laughs> But a, a little backstory on it's kind of funny too is that uh, we after we moved in got the house started settling in after about three months somebody a friend of ours said oh you live there that's the Bible Belt and I went oh that's interesting <laughs> all the street all the street names which is fine you know it's just I never thought I would ever live in some place called the Bible Belt and uh, all the names are uh, either verses or characters from the Bible and. Uh, Great neighborhood, though. I get, you know, in spite of that, I mean, it's a great neighborhood. I've met some of the neighbors. So yeah, I'm based here. I do travel, have traveled extensively. I'm, I'm cutting down on the travel though because I think there's, there's a shift that's going on in my, um, not my, well, yeah, my work too, but the presentation of my work. Uh, I think a lot of people like doing like this podcast. Um, I think those, those are some other ways that what I want to convey and. You know what my work is about, my teaching is about. It's also um, that's being amplified more and more online courses and all that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, long answer to your question. I'm in Dana Point, California. How's that? No, it's great. <laughs> I I like long answers. I I would love to just get people because so for me the work that I know I you know I just it's so fun going through your website and seeing what you do. I would love if you could summarize for my listeners, you know, the the essence of what you do and the work that you put out there. Oh boy. Okay. Five words or less. Let's try. It's okay if it's more. Give me, give me a hundred and we'll go for that. A hundred's good. <laughs> well, it, the evolution, Emily, has, uh, I mean, there's a continual evolution in, in our work, uh, your work as well as mine. And um, I really did not uh, have much of a, how would I say, a, a religious background or uh, you know, spirituality was something that other people did. And then slowly kind of uh, as a result of uh, a downfall, a divorce, um, that with two young children, it woke me up, you know, to there's something more to this. And I went through, without going into a lot of detail, I went through a series of um, spiritual practices and spiritual groups, religious groups, etc., just try, just beginning to understand a little bit more about, you know, it's more than my ego self, that there's something more going on here. And that carried over into my work as a psychotherapist, which I had uh, a licensed psychotherapist in California. Did that for a number of years and took a lot of trainings and this and that and kept peeling the onion, you know, with myself. So uh, my adaptation as a child was, was to uh, just sort of disappear. You know, not, just observe. I became very keenly observant, and uh, of course, that later served me well in my work, and has continued to serve me well. That sort of sensitivity of uh, watching a crazy family around me. I don't know anybody who doesn't have you know some version of a crazy family. You know, that's true. <laughs> it's, just, it's what's your version? You know, that should be not. Do you did you grow up in a crazy family? You know, what kind of crazy? What type? <laughs> <laughs> that's a great question. Anyway. I I, uh, I evolved. I did some books as a therapist too. Emily uh, re- wrote uh, one, two, three, four books as a therapist, 
And then, uh, gosh, uh, I just reissued the very, very first book I wrote uh, back when it was in the gosh, late 80s, early 90s, I think. But it, a year and a half ago, it was a 25-year anniversary of that first book, and it had still been selling. Wow. And What's it book, called? It's called Adult Children of Abusive Parents. Hmm. And um, I don't care for the title right now. I would say something like growing up in a dysfunctional you know, childhood trauma. But so be it. That I kept the title intentionally because it has been selling and, and reissued it, made some changes. And then there was a gap of a few years where I didn't really publish anything. Uh, one thing led to another, and I was introduced to shamanism. And I was about 23, 24 years ago. And this is something that I'm fascinated by because how does one get introduced to it? I think I've always just seen it as like, a sh you know, in my head, I just feel very disconnected from that bridge. Like, what does a shaman even mean? Um, I would love, I I mean, your title, especially the on the back of the book, the bio, the bio that you have, uh, you're a shamanic practitioner. And I was just so curious to talk to you about that. So I would love if you could get, get into detail about that journey. Sure. Um, I, I, I was, uh, did a little bit of reading about it. I was introduced to a fellow who's now a friend, a colleague. Uh, he came to, he came to a Toastmasters meeting I was involved in and I thought he looked a little weird. You know, <laughs> he was carrying a turkey feather and he had long braids and everything. His name was Jade. And, uh, you know, I just thought, oh, this guy's, you know, I thought, oh, this group's falling apart if this kind of thing is happening. I was really judgmental. Yeah. You know? But I was curious, so I went and uh, I did a, a workshop, not a workshop, but a ceremony with him. And I was further intrigued. One Anyway, one thing led to another, and I, I finally, I, uh, at the urging of a, a dear friend of mine at the time, and this is 23, 24 years ago, uh, I signed up for a, something called Core Shamanism by a group called the Foundation for Shamanic Studies. And uh, a fellow named Michael Harner was the founder of that. And I've learned, I learned since then, first off, I, I caught fire. I, I, I knew something was on the horizon. I could feel it. Mm. And uh, it was a two-day workshop. You don't become a shaman or a practitioner in a two-day workshop. But the introduction to it just really grabbed me. Mm. And so I went, you know, I went on to take further trainings and workshops and, and bear, a variety of different kind of um, shamanic practice, uh, practices. And it really is more of a contemporary um, shamanic work that uh, has evolved. And you're hearing the term, of course, more and more shamanism. And what the heck is shamanism? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me, I do get that question a fair amount. Um, so anyway, that, that changed my life, basically. That was one of those life-changing events that led uh, me into a different path. I, it wasn't a matter of discounting everything else that I had learned as a therapist. In fact, I've integrated that a lot into my work uh, as a uh, practitioner as well. Uh, I'm not even, Emily, I'm at the point, I don't even know what to call myself. <laughs> <laughs> I used to therapist. Uh, I thought about this the other day, Emily, and I think I knew you could appreciate that. As soon as you label yourself, there's certain meanings that are conjured up by that label. Yes, yes. It describes you, but in a sense, it can limit yes. how you are perceived. Oh. So, 
I have a funny story actually that just happened where I was at this, I was in San Francisco and it was this event, amazing event where all these women, basically you fund each other. So it's kind of like, instead of asking for big investors, you basically support each other. So it was this big tribe of women and they said, okay, what we're going to do is a speed. It's like speed dating, but speed networking. And you have 15 seconds to introduce yourself. The bell rings and you go to the next. And I just almost panicked. I was like, well, I'm out. I can't 15 seconds. I don't even know how to even think about the title or what I do or my name or my introduction. Right. <laughs> There's right. no way. 15 seconds. My God. I yeah. Know. Well, so I, I thought at one time, Emily, I thought, well, you know, I think I'm going to change my website into the part where what does uh, Dr. Stephen Farmer do? And I, I was going to use just two words, show up. Oh, man. <laughs> you know, and I mean, I bring a lot, you know, based on my experiences and trainings and works, I bring a lot to the table. And um, that's not, I'm not bragging, I just know that. You know, I've managed to survive on this planet for this long. So, um, that resonates just so you know that show up resonates very deeply with me i think that that, yeah. that might be the quote of the episode already <laughs> yeah that's that's uh you know be present okay? show up for what whatever you're called to do you know as uh, anyway yeah you get it hmm. be present you know be present what yeah. a challenge that is sometimes with so many possibilities of distractions mm-hmm. i have here on the three words for 2018 that came up in a meditation I did, and it's the three words are focus, <laughs> presence, and gratitude. They, they continue to sort of um, be guidelines for me, you know, if I, I do get distracted. Anyway, shamanism, to your question, what is shamanism? Um, it, it's sort of taken off in contemporary culture over the last 25, 30 years. And the fellow that I trained with initially in that two-day course, and I've done, I did some other, I did a three-year advanced shamanism with Michael Harner. Mm-hmm. Um, he is the individual that's most responsible, I believe, for bringing it into contemporary culture. Uh, there's many of us, myself and some other people who <clears throat> are, are recognized in that, that general field of shamanism that uh, started or, or did some training with Michael Harner. So he's very, he just recently died and uh, mm-hmm. he was a great man. You know, he was a great man. Uh, very unpretentious, but very knowledgeable. So anyway, that that really changed my life, Emily, and I went on to to uh, uh, do some books, to write some books and publish them, uh, starting with a book called Sacred Ceremony, mm. which is, uh, well, I think they're all good, but I'm, that, I'm really fond of that because that was the first one in this genre. And uh, gosh, from there, of course, the, the book on spirit animals, or books, I should say, Power Animals, Animals Guides, Pocket Guide to Spirit Animals. My my intention really was to take elements of shamanism in the writings and bring them into a little bit closer to the mainstream. Mm. I don't know that Animal Spirit Guides is really mainstream or ever will be, and I don't think shamanism, at least at this stage, is never going to be mainstream. But I wanted to kind of pull out of what I had learned about shamanism and introduce it to people so that they could, uh, they don't even have to think about um, shamanism or you know, be interested, but boy, when you talk about spirit animals, you know, <laughs> people perk their ears up, like you said. 
I know. It's so cool. So I want to tell you a little bit of how I found your book because uh, it was just so serendipitous. And I have always loved animals. It's just they've been a, such a piece. You know, I, my mom would call me Dr. Doolittle growing up. I had like <laughs> seven parakeets and three dogs and I just love them. And I thought throughout my whole life I was going to be a veterinarian. And when when my plans changed and I'm glad they did, I just I still have always felt like I was missing this connection with animals. And I remember I there's this really total hippie store that I love right in Denver called Herbs and Arts. And I was just in one of those moods where you need to like smell something and snap out of it. Like nothing, it didn't matter what somebody would tell me. Like I was in one of those moods that I just knew I needed something and I didn't know what. And so I just walked across the street, walked into the store, just like gandering at books. And this book just screamed at me and I was like what is this so I pulled it off the shelf and I was like this is this is kind of cool but like you know is this accurate and it was so cool because my best friend growing up always loved polar bears and I knew she had this connection with polar bears and I didn't know what my animal was or even like any you know I didn't know anything about it but I just said if, if I look up polar bear and it is anything like her then I'm sold I'm buying this book and I'm selling this to everybody that will listen because and it, it was so accurate I called her we both were crying because it was so powerful for her to hear and just to have this moment of like it, it just it completed the circle for so many people including myself to find out how connected I was to hummingbirds I just thought it was just so powerful so I am so impressed with the way it does exactly what you say it's it's really just connecting something that might be as untouchable as shamanism to just something everyone can relate to yeah yeah if you have an affinity at all towards animals uh, domestic or otherwise yeah it, it, it it's an aspect um going back to what shamanism is it's a it's the oldest healing system in the world and the gift of the shaman or the shamanic practitioners uh, the um uh, the skill, I guess, as well as a gift, is to be able to uh, transport his or her consciousness into this non-ordinary reality and their work with helping spirits. Uh, the helping spirits can be certainly spirit animals and often are. They can be ancestors. They can be, um, oh gosh, um, ascended masters. They can be tree spirits, plant spirits, you know, any number of things. There's a fellow, for instance, there's a fellow named Elliot Cowan, who um, he did what is classic, uh, which is a found fundamental uh, process in shamanism, which is the shamanic journey. And that's exactly what I just described. It's where you send your consciousness into um, NOR, non-ordinary reality, work with the helping spirits, and you bring back information, guidance, teaching, uh, ceremonies, etc., whatever is needed for the person or the the family or the community or the, the large community of uh, our dear Mother Earth, you know, it's possible also to get information on, on that. So um, this one fellow, Elliot Cowan, uh, was drawn to or called to work with plants. And so what he did is that he would journey to different plants and then make notes about what he, uh, the information he received from the spirit of the plant, the plant spirit. And he'd write these things down and he went a very exhaustive um, number of plants that he went through. Get this though, I mean, get this. Then he found a Chinese uh, text on the uh, application 
and uses of some of these plants. And amazingly so, the information he received directly from the spirit of the plant matched what uh, was written in this Chinese text. Oh my Isn't that gosh. Amazing? Wow. But that's the, that's the principle of shamanism. Also, another um, idea or principle of shamanism is direct revelation. You go right to the spirit guides, which brings us back to spirit animals. Uh, my teaching is, that, and that it's so true, and you probably already know this from reading my book, but when you see an animal in an unusual way or repeatedly, there's something pretty big going on. You know, is God or spirit or whatever, you know, the force, whatever you want to call that, <laughs> that abstract, uh, what is it, a friend of mine said, you can, you can experience God, but you can never know God. <laughs> yeah. So here's a way to know at least an aspect of God or spirit which is when, for instance, for you, hummingbird shows up, there's something when that little bird floats in front of your face, especially for you, because you have this uh, soul connection, you could say, um, it, it has a special meaning for you. And there's typically a message. Hmm. Um, so when, when an animal shows up in that way, it could be symbolic too, it could be a dream. When an animal shows up in an unusual way and or repeatedly, then it, it's um, great spirit is, is uh, sending you a courier, so to speak, to deliver a message. And then the real task is to discern what the message is. Mm. So it's a really cool thing to be able to tap into. It really is. That is. Do you remember your first animal that you really tapped into when you were going through this uh, initial training or initial kind of experience through sh shamanic practitioner? Yeah, I um, as a practitioner of the uh, shamanism, uh, I work with specific spirit animals that have come to me in different ways. And the term for those is power animals. Uh, any shamanic practitioner will have at least, typically at least maybe two, three, or four, not more than that, because it's too much to manage. <laughs> so the first one that came to me actually, Emily, was not at a time when I, I was sort of putting my toe in the water. Mm. Uh, shamanism and it was actually in a men's training weekend and we did this exercise uh, at, now I would call it uh, finding your power animal and um, snake came to me mm. so I received uh, the name out of this men's training of Stephen Snake Farmer <laughs> <laughs> does it still exist? do people still say that? <laughs> snake is still with me mm. um, isn't that a healing thing? The snakes yeah. are healers, right? Yes. Yeah, snake is a one. Uh, when I do a healing ceremony with someone, a snake is one of the power animals or spirit animals I call on, ask for his blessing, his help. And I just say his. It could be a she, but it doesn't matter. Uh, so that was the first one. And then in this two-day course that I mentioned, that was one of the things that we did as we paired up. And uh, the other person would then journey with the intention, do the shamanic journey with the intention of finding the other, his partner's power animal. Mm. And so <laughs> uh, uh, this is a funny story because it's telling a little bit about my personality. Good. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, this guy did this uh, wonderful piece and he um, basically gave me from his 
shamanic journey, the spirit animal that was to be another, a second power animal, and it was wolf. Hmm. I, I must be honest with you, my first reaction when he told me that, I didn't say this to him, but my first reaction was, you got to be kidding, wolf is too common for me. <laughs> <laughs> Than that. I but, would say the exact same thing, I think. <laughs> but, you know, um, the truth is, is that Wolf continues to be with me. And he is, an, uh, I get chills and almost kind of emotional in a way. Not in a way, I feel a little wave of emotion, um, which is my gratitude for the spirit of Wolf. Um, has been an incredible guardian. Um, when I go on walks with Samson, my big yellow lab here. We go mm. walk to the park or the neighborhood or the beach. Uh, Wolf is always with us. He's always with me. Whenever I'm, right now he's with me. I may or may not be consciously aware of his presence, but when I tune in, it's like, yeah, he's right here, which I just did. He's right here. Now, I don't see him. I don't see a visual of Wolf, usually. Sometimes I have, but I, I can feel him. Mm. Yeah. And with spirit animals, you may not actually have a visual. Some people are a little more, well, more visual than I am. Um, but I, uh, I know that feeling the animal, the spirit animal, is also valid, just as valid as seeing, or what I do sometimes is hear. You know, in my inner voice, you know, the spirit animal conveying something to me. So uh, snake, wolf, uh, owl came in later. We're talking about a span of thirty years or so. Owl came in later as a therapist when I was still doing my therapy practice and studying shamanism, what a great spirit animal to have as a therapist. Yeah. Uh, sees in the shadows, sees in the darkness, which is a great metaphor for an assist, assistant, so to speak, a spirit assistant as a therapist, you know, because we work with shadows. Yeah. Uh, also that ancient wisdom, that's another medicine or gift of our spirit. Anyway, one thing led to the other over the years, and then uh, Al, I, I say, got kicked out of the nest by Raven. Raven's, Raven's oh. So Al went in sort of the back seat uh, for some time and hasn't worked until lately he showed up again. But for many years, he, he really just wasn't around much. And Raven came in, and uh, I realized one of the things I'm sure you came across is that a lot of times the power animal which isn't, uh, by the way, exclusively shamanism. You don't have to be a shaman to have a power animal. Uh, it's a spirit animal that you favor and that you have an alignment with. Mm -hmm. uh, and that is that um, the power animal will often reflect uh, characteristics of you. <laughs> and like your friend, like you said about the polar bear and what the polar bear said. So um, Raven uh, really was appropriate as I transitioned from... Uh, doing only psychotherapy into doing only shamanic healing. And Raven is, uh, again, a, an amazing force. The latest, and I hope it's the, <laughs> I hope this stable of spirit animals remains the same, is a turtle. Oh, my favorite. They're so cute. Oh, turtle. <laughs> I love turtles so much. Is it a sea turtle, I'm guessing, right? Yeah, it's a yeah. sea turtle. Uh, and uh, I use the name interchangeably sometimes, tortoise and turtle, but we actually inherited, interestingly enough, uh, three months ago, two desert tortoises. And no they're, they're 
they're out there hibernating in their doghouse, you know, covered with hay, and just just happy to be there. Can't wait till they make their appearance in spring. But also, turtle has been a, a, a hit his medicine. Um, well, let me ask you, what do you think his medicine is about? You know, with turtle, I always I think my favorite description of a turtle is that one, they're kind of their their own home, so they always have this like this sense sense of they're okay, and they they attract people because they are okay. They have this calmness yeah. and this assertiveness and just this like overall safety. Even though they might not be home, they feel like home to people. Good. That's great. No, I lo- I love it. Oh, yeah. that's so cool. Hard shell, you know, the, the uh, covering, the fact that they can retreat, you know, and pull in as well as come out. Mm. Those, those characteristics of the animal often convey something as a, they're, they're a metaphor uh, for off, often for uh, the gifts and the medicine that they have. So you're right on about that, having the home. You know something I found that interesting a few years ago? Went to an uh, animal sanctuary, rescue animal sanctuary. They had, the, they had these two huge tortoises. And uh, the teacher there, the trainer or the caretaker, more accurately, she said, did you know that uh, all turtles and tortoises have 13 geometric shapes on their back? I said, no. And I'll be darned. Every time I've checked, you count. And if you ever see a tortoise or a turtle, count them. There's 13. Uh, what is 13? It's the number of the feminine. Uh, yes, I didn't thir- know that. There are 13 moon cycles in a year. Yeah. And oh what gosh. a woman's menstruation, a moon cycle, there's 13 of those typically. You know, she's regular. Yeah. There, it's a strong feminine um, medicine. It's also, a uh, turtle is one that is close to the earth. Turtle helps me stay grounded. Mm. Oh, the other thing, this is uh, when I wrote uh, Power Animals, which is uh, my first book in that, that arena of spirit animals. There are, I think, 40, I think 42 spirit animals in there, and one was turtle. And uh, my process, Emily, was this. I would sit and I'd say, okay, fox, spirit, um, I'm ready. And I'd sit by my keyboard and just listen and pay attention because I, I get a lot of messages um, through the inner voice, you know, the auditory. I say, okay, I want a message. I'd like a message that I can put in this book to convey to others about what, you know, what you need to say. So I, you know, I did Fox and then I did, gosh, offhand, a Cougar, I think, and, you know, these others. I got to Turtle. I said, okay, Turtle, what's your message for the people? And I'll, here's exactly how it sounded in my head. Slow down. <sighs> you have all the time in the world. <laughs> oh, gosh, you're going to make me cry, Stephen. This is. <laughs> so there's another piece, although I've seen. You know, we had these tortoises out front here when I first received them. I looked and, man, this one was hauling butt across the lawn. I went, well, they're not always slow. You know, they, they can scoot when they need to. Anyway, that's a, a, 
quite a lengthy diatribe there. No, uh, I'm so appreci I'm so appreciative of it because it shares a little bit of the stages of your own life and your own career. Do you think the turtle for you that just showed up, uh, what do you think that signifies for your own personal path that you're on? That's a good question. I think tortoise, the, the turtles, tortoises, you know, the ones that are, the, there's two, there's a male and a female. Uh, I'm not sure what that significant, we'll see what that significance is. You know, we may wake up, see some eggs in the, in their shelter, uh, sometime when spring rolls around. Um, but I think it, 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 in a sense, it really confirms the relationship I have with the turtle spirit. They're cousins, you know, turtle tortoise. Um, and that makes me, how would I say this? That when I do my uh, own shamanic journeys, which I do something every morning as best I can, either meditation or shamanic journey, and receive messages and then I transcribe them, I think it really firms up my relationship with turtle spirit you know, very strongly. It also is a calling to do what I can, you know, in my own small way, but my own way of, um, I, I, I won't, I, I mean, I don't want to say healing the earth. Um, I, I'm okay with that. You know, people use that term, you know, let's do some ceremony to help the earth heal. But my view is the earth does not need healing. You know, she's been doing fine for four and a half billion years. Mm. We need some healing with our relationship with the earth because that has seriously gone askew. Yeah. You know, you don't have that kind of intimacy and connection with, let's say, uh, this, this. I go out here and I walk and I have two trees in the neighborhood that I absolutely love. And I'll stand before those trees and we'll commune. You know, we'll, that, that, that has been a lost or forgotten art yeah. <laughs> to, to see the world as living uh, and, and breathing. And life has always been here. I'm simply one expression of life, just as you are, just as that tree is, just as the stone people are, just as, I mean, it's just amazing. There's, in, in a lot of native, as I understand it, I'm not an authority on this, but as I understand it, and I'm pretty sure this is true, in, uh, well, it is true, Cherokee, I can tell you for sure, because I have a friend who's Cherokee. Um, there's no word for object in the language of a lot of Native American languages. Hmm. Everything is related. It's not the animals, it's the animal people. Yeah, and every, not, everything's alive. Everything has a purpose versus it just being <clears throat> a nuisance or just sitting there or, or, yeah, I love that perspective. So I think that we're on a return now, you know, and maybe that, uh, God or spirit is like got us on the floor with our arms, you know, held behind our backs saying, okay, listen, wake up, wake up. Yeah, it's time. You guys need to wake up. There's greater reality than just kind of existing and dominating the earth and then, you know, finding some nirvana in heaven. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, no, this is it, folks. This is it. What's going on right now? This is it. Yeah. Right, right at this moment. In fact, oh, I'm going to start to rant here. There is no moment. You know, we talk about it as moments. There's no moment. It's a flow of time. And if we can get in touch with that inner sense of our own being, you know, the experience. How did my friend said, you know, the experience of God or the, the, the experience of being. And then we can go ahead and do what we do. 
But we need those moments where we can take a breath and stand before this tree and commune with the tree and feel the presence that it isn't just me. It's not, in fact, there, have you ever had these moments, Emily, when you just don't even think about who you are or have any thoughts? It's, it's rare. And that was, that's honestly my question for you. Cause I know being, you said, um, focus and presence is two of the three words for this year. Yeah. I know that myself and the, all my listeners, like I would really love help being more present and figuring out a way to just be, uh, I would love any sort of guidance <laughs> in that, yeah, in that I, department. Okay. Uh, there's a few simple things you could do. Go out. You know, in the woods, forest, mm. find a tree that you really feel, uh, how would I say, called to. <clears throat> you know, another way to say it is just, oh, a tree that you really like. <clears throat> and then do one of a couple things. Um, sit by the tree and take some nice, deep, slow breaths. Now, what will happen is your mind will get busy. You know, thoughts will come and go. You'll get distracted. But what is important here is just continue to breathe. Nice, nice, deep, slow breaths. And at some point, <clears throat> excuse me, at some point, see if you can feel the tree breathing with you. Mm. Now, you have to step out of uh, your usual mind <laughs> into your senses. Tricky to do sometimes. Yeah. So that's one way to do that. Uh, you could stand in front of a tree. You could put your hands on the tree and just feel the presence of her life force that we call spirit. Uh, there are moments, typically, by the way, uh, when I say touching that being, that experience of being, it isn't um, something that you seek. As soon as you start seeking it, you're in trouble. Yeah. I know that may sound weird, but that if, you're, if you're looking for it, it's not going to happen. It's like sort of trying, trying to uh, go to sleep. Yeah. If, tried to go to sleep, good luck. <laughs> I'm going to go to sleep. I know i got to get up in the morning. i got to sleep in the morning. You know, the mind's going, da, 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 da. so it's not a matter of trying. It's like a, it's more of a feminine uh, uh, a receptivity. And I don't mean female. I mean feminine. You know, that feminine aspect, men and women, of uh, being uh, breathing with the tree. Go out and sit on a rock somewhere where you can have a vista, whether a canyon or the woods or an ocean or something like that. And again, through the breath, and I, I emphasize that with the deep breathing, just observe the uh, sunset. I have a men's group I do once a month. And a um, good group of guys, you know, and we started, we did something different this time, is we sat in silence together for 10 minutes, just breathing. You know, and it was like uh, winding down the thoughts, you know. <laughs> Yeah. You know, that sort of feeling. So for you and uh, listeners, I, th I think any exercise like that where you um, uh, breathe, like you're, you're an outdoor person, you know, I'm sure that um, when you're hiking, you mm -hmm. could try or just walking, it doesn't even have to be a hike, is to slow down. Yeah. Like slow I, down about I, 80%. And then I, and pace your breath with your steps. I do feel like nature is the one way that I have that, that peace, you know, yeah. so I'm, it's, and I need more of it. I think that's really the answer is I need to 
I'm right in downtown Denver, which is amazing. And it's still very outdoorsy, but I still need to get some, some more out of city, uh, some more experiences. I think that's really a key thing. Uh, that's so good. Do have you always struggled? Have you ever struggled with, um, you know, kind of having that slow down and get out of your, your mate, your brain ego thought process? No, I perfected it, Emily. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like Of course. Yeah, anyway, not to be facetious, which I just was. No, it's true, though. It's, I, think, I think there's something going on in the collective. Uh, Carl Jung talked about the collective unconscious. Um, you could say collective consciousness, too, uh, although it's largely unconscious, I think. Is this, if you get um, 7 billion people who are experiencing fear and anxiety over the state of whatever, you know, the war in Syria, for instance, which is horrible, or this or that, or nuclear weapons, or, you know, whatever, you know, whatever people are focused on, I, I know that we are connected. I just know it as humans, not only with everything, but as human beings in our species. So when a massive number of people experience uh, angst or anxiety, We'll feel it. Anybody with any sensitivity will feel it to some degree. I really get that. But it's hard to pinpoint as a collective, uh, a response to the collective anxiety. So what we tend to do is to personalize it, you know, and find, uh, at, find attribution, which means, oh, this is why I'm anxious, or God, I don't know why I'm anxious. I just feel anxious. I'm not sure why. Um, they did some measurements. I think it was the HeartMath Institute, I believe. They had some way of measuring this. I, I'm not you know, scientifically oriented in that way, so I'm not sure I can explain it well. But they measured some um, when there was major disasters or catastrophes. They were able to measure that anxiety in some way in the collective. Um, I'm not articulating this very well. No, but no, there, no. You are. You are. There was some scientific process that allowed them to, um, you know, measure the wave. Uh, and that's, I remember one time years, many years ago before I even thought of this, um, I woke up one morning, and again, this is probably a good 30 years ago. I woke up one morning feeling just disturbed. I had a good night's sleep. I went through the checklist, you know, okay, light breakfast, you know, everything's okay. I just felt uneasy and disturbed, and I couldn't explain it. And then a friend calls. This is about 11.30 or 12, after I'd been up for a couple hours puzzling about this feeling that I was having. And, she, and I said, hey, how you doing? She goes, haven't you heard? I went, what? The stock market crashed. I went, oh, and suddenly it just went click. Yeah. What's going on? You know, that's what's going on. And then I felt better. It's like it sense it was not personal. You needed to define that anxiety, and that's so true. Is that that takes assessment and introspection, and like it's instead of just being this broad. I have, you know, I'm anxious or I have anxiety. I think that is so important to figure the trigger and the root. Do you think that people can develop that intuition that you have? Uh, I know that you you were born into this world with a gift. So I'm curious your thought process of. Is that something that you had and you just perfected, or is it something that can be trained? Is it really just an awareness? What are your thoughts on that? I think it's a great question. I, I think to some degree, I couldn't, wouldn't say an unequivocal 
Yeah, sure, everybody. Yeah, to some degree or another. I mean, there's there's people I've met, you know, just doing this work. People I've met that are like awesome, you know, like wow, you've got quite a gift. I've watched mediums, stage mediums, you know, do their thing. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, John Holland comes to mind, uh, colleague. He's a great medium, and he, you know, he hits like details with people. How does that work? You know, I I'm not a medium. I don't ever profess to be and don't even want to be. Uh, I mean, I have no aspiration. In fact, I, uh, shamanism is not something that you have an ambition for. You are called to it. Mm. You know, it is a calling, just like many things are. It's a calling. So, uh, in answer to your question, yes, I think there are ways. I've taught classes like that of developing your psychic or your intuitive ability. I'm doing something in the desert, Joshua Tree, uh, with a colleague who's also a gifted psychic medium. And uh, that's the that's what we're doing. It's a retreat where we're going to do some training, you know, and in further de developing your psychic capacity. I think what happens is people doubt themselves a lot, you know, like oh, I think that something's going on with Aunt Madeline. I don't know what it is, but I just have a feeling. Mm. And so then we go, ah, pooey, you know, she's fine. And then we hear the next day, you know, that she's had a stroke or something like that. You know, we go, oh my god. And so it it's learning to. Yeah, there's ways you can develop that psychic or that intuitive ability. Psychic's a little, uh, I use that word intuitive because I think that's a, a little more... Um, Well-received, probably. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's a little more accessible. So, yeah, practicing your intuition, um, writing, uh, doing meditation every day, you know, getting in touch with that center of being, uh, walking, uh, absolutely, walking in nature. Um, walk when it's warm enough, walk barefooted. Mm, yeah. I'm around here it's in the neighborhood, it's the guy who walks barefoot. <laughs> That's my favorite. It's my favorite thing to do. <laughs> oh, um, Emily, you're my soul sister then. I know. We're going to meet. I'm going to come to one of these events that you have coming up because this is oh, just, yeah. you're too wonderful. Oh. This is great. <laughs> yeah. And I, you know, I come to Colorado on occasion too. So, okay, we'll good. Walk. We'll go for a walk in the woods or something like that. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. Did you know about, you've heard of earthing? Yes. Like I, I've seen that it one, well, I guess maybe correct me if I'm wrong, but when you are able to kind of get the electromagnetic field of the earth from the ground up, yep. it, it helps stimulate some mitochondria and it helps decrease cortisol or stress yep. hormones. And I think that's, an, I mean, why isn't everyone else walking around barefoot? <laughs> Well, barefoot or for people in colder weather, um, if you've got leather sole shoes, that'll work too because leather's a conductor, whereas rubber sole is a, you know, it's an insulator. Oh my yeah, gosh. The, the benefits that you mentioned um, are showing up more and more as research is being done on this phenomena that we can, um, uh, Earth will give us um, electrons freely and the electrons are what's stolen by free radicals. In other words, it's a natural antioxidant, and the mm. the electrons also. That's what happens. It wears, you know, wears, uh, like you said, the mitochondria wears it down. So I'm an advocate of this. Is you know, go walk barefoot. You know, what the heck? I, and I can't believe I. I sometimes am astounded that I look at people in the neighborhood. Of course, this is Orange County, California, so maybe it's <laughs> I don't know uh, that that nobody goes barefoot, you know, walking on the grass in the park, for instance, or the concrete. The concrete works just as well, but, you know, you know, 
get out of my woods. Something about nature and grass. One of my favorite things to do after a flight, and I do this after every flight, and I look very weird because I just, I just don't even care. But right outside the airport, I instantly take my shoes and socks off, and I just find the first plot of grass that I can. Oh, Emily, <laughs> you are a soul sister. I've done, that's the, one of the other benefits is when you do travel is to do that for a half hour. You know, go out if you're more than, you know, a couple hours um, distant from your usual time zone. So go out and just walk around for about a half hour barefoot or, again, with the leather sole shoes. Uh, grass uh, or dirt, concrete, not asphalt. Asphalt's got rubber in it. You know, oh, so. okay. But what happened, I've done, I tested this out years ago when I went to Australia. And it's a 14-hour trip, and it just goes, like, upside down because you're you lose a day going, you, get, you know, it's just crazy. So I thought, okay, I'm going to test this out. So as soon as I got to um, the hotel, dropped my bags off, I walked over to, um, uh, I forget the name of the park, but the park right nearby the hotel I was staying, um, and took my socks and shoes off. I just walked around, you know, on the ground. And get this, this is my first test. And I fell asleep that night. Australia time at 10 o'clock. I woke up at six o'clock the next morning, completely in the time zone. What? Oh, that's yeah. so cool. And that's all from this this idea that uh, Clint Cliff over called uh, earthing. You know, mm. which is uh, that and the other benefits. I like the ones you mentioned as well. It's good for you. It's good for you. Plus, again, circling back to something we discussed or talked about earlier is just. We're, we're such a forgetful species. You know, we really have forgotten our roots. We've forgotten our ancestors. Mm. And um, the way to start to wake up that memory is get out in the natural world. Not just get out in the natural world. Be in the natural world. Use your breath. Breathe. Smell. Pick up the sense. Get your feet dirty. Get your hands dirty. Mm -hmm. You know, in spite of what your mama told you, it's okay. <laughs> you're not going to die. You're not going to get a disease. Touch the earth. Bless her. Thank her for all that she gives to us. All that she gives to us. She lets us walk on her body. Wow. Yeah. In uh, one community, indigenous uh, Native American community that in the springtime they walk very very slowly and carefully on the earth because she's pregnant hmm. <laughs> it's we're so far from that you know isn't that crazy to think how opposite we think now yeah yeah ah well one yeah. i'll go ahead no, that's it i was just going to say it's, it's a and that's a way i think you can refresh um, kind of like rebooting your computer so to speak you know well, yeah modern modern analogy but is to reboot or refresh your, uh, refresh yourself. Yeah. Um, and I think an easy way too, for me, you know, I'm on the fifth floor of a apartment is the simplest thing is I have plants everywhere. I probably have like 30 different plants and mm -hmm. herbs and, nice. you, know, you know, just anything to kind of help with that. So I think if you guys, if you're listening and you kind of feel in the middle of concrete jungle, just go buy a plant. <laughs> No, that's brilliant. I think that's uh, plus they give up oxygen and they receive CO two from us. What a what a nice exchange. Mm. What a great relationship we have with plants. Yeah. Yeah. I've also been reading these books uh, 
in sequence, a book called Sapiens, A Brief History of Human, yeah, A Brief History of Humankind, Sapiens, uh, Homo Sapiens, but Sapiens, A Brief History of Humankind, astounding. I listened to it on Audible in my car, and I said, I'm going to get the book, so I, I read it, you know, where I could underline it. You can't underline things when you listen yeah. to it. <laughs> Great book. I highly recommend it. Okay, I'll add that to my list. And I picked up the next one that probably is a little, the title's a little intimidating, but it's called The Sixth Extinction. And the premise, uh, Pulitzer Prize winner, by the way, but the premise is that um, there have been five major extinctions. I mean, you know, think about it. Four and a half billion years, you know. The Earth hasn't always been like this. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, that's almost common sense. It always hasn't, hasn't always existed in this way, in this form. Um, but the uh, writer who's, uh, I think, a pretty darn good writer, um, details some of these possibilities for these various extinctions. Um, the one that we're probably most familiar with is the dinosaurs, the asteroid. Mm -hmm. But the, the, the other one uh, that was mentioned in the book was, um, I think it was the fifth one, about 200,000 years ago was due to uh, excessive CO2 in the atmosphere. What? I'm going to have to get this book. <laughs> <laughs> Suggested like a freak people. Oh, my God. You know, the, do a chicken little thing. Oh, the sky is falling. Oh, my God. You know, because um, if that's the case, then in a sense, there's not a lot, lot we can do about it. Yeah. You know, we can recycle and do can and But I think it's more about, um, like, um, who is Abraham? who is um, someone that this woman named Esther Hicks channels and really good stuff too. I'm not a big fan of channeling in general, but she really comes through with some solid stuff. And somebody asked her when she was in that state, that altered state, and Abraham was coming through. Well, you know, with all this stuff that's going on, Abraham, around us, you know, the this and that, and the possibility of extinction and all this, you know, what do we do? What do we do? And Abraham had a great answer. <laughs> Abraham said, live your life. Mm. I love that kind of simplicity. Yeah, live your life. Stephen, that's, that's just like yours. Show up. Yeah. Yeah, show up. Keep showing up. Mm. What a privilege it is to be alive. Mm. What a privilege. It gives me chills to, like, touch that. And to go out into the woods, to, to be encircled by the plants in your um, apartment, uh, to listen and sit next to a tree and breathe with the tree, uh, to smell the aroma of the forest, you know, to look up at the stars at night and breathe. <laughs> As you can tell, I'm, a big, on, I'm big on breathing, mm. you know, conscious breathing, because I think that opens us up to receiving what we are perceiving. I feel so relaxed just listening to you talk. <laughs> this is so great. This is so needed today in so many different ways. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I think the, I have one more question for you that I really wanted to answer just for selfish, selfish reasons. Um, for me, for whatever reason, when 2018 happened, the year of the whale kept showing up for me uh, in so many different ways, but that's really kind of been my mantra. And I didn't, I don't really even understand it, but I, 
when you were mentioning the wolf and the emotion that it kind of brings when you think of it, that's the same I feel with the whale. Mm. And, and I was wondering if you could help uh, help me define that a little bit. Sure. Well, I'm going to throw this back to you first, and then I'll give you my take on it because I, I don't, you know, I've written books and all this, but I don't pretend to be pretend to be an absolute expert on all mm-hmm. this. It's the discernment of what that what that um, meaning or and or message coming from the spirit animal uh, and what makes sense to you, what kind of goes click to you. So one way to uh, understand the uh, meaning of a particular spirit animal that you're um, attracted to is to look at the characteristics of the animal. And that's um, those that can be very telling as to what the significance is for you. Now I'm saying that in sort of the abstract here. So let's go down, let's get down to cases here and say whale. When you think of whale, this isn't a test, but I just want, want to know what you think. When mm-hmm. you think of whale, the animal whale, uh, this incredible being, um, what comes to mind as far as the whale's characteristics, their actions, their behavior, their characteristics? Yeah. Uh... When I think of them, and it's it's this is like that wave of emotion. It's like they're so big and powerful, but they are so they don't have to say anything about it. They just exist, mm-hmm. and they're just I mean they're just magical. I feel like they are like wise and you know kind of respected. I don't even know if animals respect. I, I know they do, but in this way of they're just peaceful without having to. You know, they just are. I guess I don't. I don't know. I think when I see them, I'm just fascinated because the way they communicate, the way that they touch other people, and then they, if they want to, they just breach. They just take thousands of tons of pounds and jump through the water, and then they're just like, "Okay, I'm good." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. That's a great uh, description. And in terms of what you described, though, how, what what is uh, relevant for you? Hmm. What meaning might it have for you as a as a human being? Well, part of it, I feel like I want so badly to find that peace that they kind of emulate. You know, the they're settled. They don't they don't have to. They're not racing to get anywhere. They just get there. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if that's a piece of it is just trusting my the journey that I'm on and the year that I'm having and all the things that are happening in my life. I, I mean, it's chaos, but it's it feels it feels so in flow, like the flow state of everything I'm creating and making and working for. I just feel like I crave that peace and that uh, the mission of it's going to happen in its own time and also in a very powerful way. Wow. I like it. I like it. Okay. I just talked that out. Uh, you basically, okay. you helped me. <laughs> yeah, no, no, you did. Uh, again, it's not a test. I, believe me, it's not. It's often what I do though is when somebody asks, well, what does this mean? It's like, well, what's it, you know, Let's let's explore this together. So um, when you, having said that, how does that feel in your body? I mean, so good because it feels, it's kind of like it's there. Like it's like, oh, I got this. I'm good. I can, I'm on the right path. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely get that. Um, The other, the other angle of this, and I'll, I'll offer, you know, maybe some additional things too. Not maybe, I will offer some additional things, but a lot of times with spirit animals, they're, you I encourage also people to go, well, close your eyes and ask the spirit animal, you know, what's the message? You know, anything you want to convey to me? And I think you just kind of did that, you know, without 
going through that process itself. Because you got, I believe you got some of that, you got directly from uh, whale spirit. Mm-hmm. So the, um, I think you're right on about that. I think that there's a, a bigger mission than perhaps you even see right now. You know, even though I think your vision is pretty clear and your path is pretty clear, but I think you've got some, uh, your mission is going to expand, you know, it's going to get bigger. Um, what is important is like, here's a characteristic of the whale is they will come, they'll surface, yes, sometimes breach, but they'll leave surface to take in air. Then they'll dive pretty deep sometimes. And the diving deep uh, in water, water is often uh, symbolic of the subconscious and or the emotional realm. Mm. So, um, what it's saying to me, since you have that affinity with whale spirit, is that you also need, like, and you said this yourself in your own way, there's periods where you need to dive. Yeah. <laughs> Meditation, you know, even five minutes or ten minutes, you know, they, they don't stay down by the bottom forever. <laughs> and also, they breach, which, um, if you think of the skin of the water, and they break the skin of the water, is they're doing things that are, um, how would I put this, that, that they're, they're moving into a, you could say, a different state of consciousness in this breaching. You're um, going through um, almost like um, releasing a lot of old ways of behaving and being, uh, even in relationship, that's happening because things are changing for you quite rapidly. Like you said, you know, yeah. there's a movement going on, definitely a lot of movement. And if you've ever um, seen images or whatever, a whale coming up and then breaching, you know, like underwater, how they go, they dive a little bit and then they go oh, and breach um, through the water. If you've ever seen even images of humpback whales doing it or seen it live, yeah, very awesome. But the point being is, that's the skin of the water, the skin of the familiarity coming from the subconscious into the conscious realm of the manifestation realm. You don't see the whale, but all of a sudden, boom, you're there. Yeah. It's kind of how it's going to happen for you is that you're going to get some surprises along the way here. You watch. I'll bet you. Bet you a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> that oh, sense? Yeah, it does. I'm over here. Sniffling. Yeah. One more piece, because I, my body, again, I get my messages from my body, too, is a lot of breathing for you. That has come up a lot, and I'm a, you know, an advocate of that. But um, spending time in meditation, five minutes, ten minutes, if you could do it daily, it'd be great. And not making a, a goal. You know, there's no goal in it. It's just resting on the bottom of the water. Mm. Oh, then, my gosh, yeah. Coming up for air. Does that make sense? And so in ways that I don't even know if I'll ever be able to say. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, that's incredible. Oh, I love it. And I threw it back to you. <laughs> no, this is, I just, this is my, by far my favorite podcast I've ever done. I can't oh. even thank you enough. It's been such an honor and privilege to have you. Uh, where, where can people find you? If you could list off your website and a couple of those sure. great events you have coming up. Sure. I've got um, a few events coming up. Uh, best place to go is to my website, earthmagic.net, earthmagic, all one word, or put together. Uh, I've got a retreat with a colleague of mine, Marissa Ryan, who's a gifted psychic medium. We're going to be at Joshua Tree uh, doing a three-day retreat, Friday through Sunday, 
um, this, is it this weekend? No, next weekend. This, uh, I don't know when the podcast goes out, but it's on the weekend of the uh, 15, 16, 17, 20. Okay. Uh, the other thing is the Earth Magic Practitioner Training. It's a nine-month training uh, where the foundation is shamanism, but we do so much more than just shamanic work. And that's uh, that's going to be starting in May. I'll be in Sedona coming up in May. Uh, was going to be in Denver. That got canceled. Oh, uh, bummer. But just so people can go to my website, earthmagic.net. I also have a newsletter you can sign up for. gives you my, uh, you know, my itinerary and a fresh article. Anyway, it's got all my stuff on there and my schedule. Uh, should you want to sign up for the newsletter, it'd be great. That's perfect. I mean, seriously, everyone needs all of your books. I have two more to read, so I'm excited to dig into those. And uh, I linked it actually on my Amazon favorites. So if you guys are uh, on my link of Amazon favorites, you can find all his books under there. And again, Stephen, this is amazing. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to be on Meathead Hippie Podcast. Oh, uh, my my pleasure. Believe me, it's a really good interviewer. Very engaging. So that's the other thing about Whale. You mentioned is communication. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You're a very effective communicator. I appreciate Thank that. <laughs> awesome. Thank you, Stephen. <laughs>